Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We are excited to share our guest with you today. John Asaraf is one of the leading mindset and behavioral experts in the world who has appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show. His latest best-selling book, Intersize, The Proven Science to Unleash Your Brain's Hidden Power, helps individuals recognize and release the mental and emotional blocks that prevent them from achieving their fullest potential. John has built five multi-million dollar companies, he has written two New York Times best-selling books, and has been featured in 10 movies. Today, he is the founder and CEO of NeuroGym, a company dedicated to using the most advanced technologies and evidence-based brain training methods to help individuals strengthen their mindset and emotional skills so they achieve their goals faster and easier than ever before. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. John Asraf, we're so delighted that you're here today. Dan, it's so great to be here with you. Well, it's fun. I know a lot of our, our audience is listening to this, but those that are able to see it, if you can take a look, you'll see something very unusual behind John. In addition to a beautifully decorated space, he has a picture of Einstein and a picture of Frankenstein's monster uh, <laughs> over either shoulder. So start us off. Tell us about this. Uh, it's, it's great that you start off there. In, uh, in my newest book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power, I reveal that every one of us has this Einstein part to our brain, the genius part of our brain that can imagine, that can come up with, you know, how can we achieve this goal or dream that we have? But we also have this Frankenstein part of our brain that says, but, but am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? You know, last time you tried this, you failed, or your parents failed, or you saw somebody else who failed. And so every one of us has to learn how to use Einstein and Frankenstein appropriately so that we can take our imagination and see what it is that we want to achieve. We can use our Einstein part of our brain to figure out, you know, what knowledge do I need? What skills do I need? Whose help do I need to achieve these goals and dreams that I have? But then we have to learn how to manage that inner critic that always wants to challenge our ability to achieve those goals and dreams that we imagine. Mm -hmm. oh, I love that. That's a fantastic visual. And all of us can relate to that. That's right. Uh, but I'm really kind of curious, John, how you got to this stage of development of, of understanding mindset, work with people. I, I doubt that when you were uh, a student in high school, you said, I'm going to become an expert in mindset. What were the kind of key pivot, <laughs> pivot points and twists in your career that enabled you to be such a giver and a contributor? Um, if I take you back far enough, uh, when my parents moved from Israel to Montreal, I was five and a half years old and went right into grade one. And I was put in a classroom with um, kids who spoke English and or French or both. And I didn't speak either one of the languages. And in a classroom of, you know, 50, 60 kids, I got fairly lost and forgotten. And I was uh, two years behind just about every kid by the time I was in third, fourth grade. And I did horribly in school. I was consistently getting in trouble, disrupting the other kids. 
by the time I got to high school, uh, I was in the principal's office or expelled more of the time than I was in classroom. And between 13 and 17 years old, I was involved in a street gang that um, did breaking and entries. We did. Um, we we smuggled drugs in from Florida to Montreal. Uh, yes, we sold drugs. Yes, we did drugs. Uh, got into enormous amount of trouble. And the reason I share that is because I just didn't feel like I was smart enough or good enough. And at grade eleven, I just left high school because this was not the place for me. And I went to work at a factory making, you know, I think about you know dollar sixty five an hour back then. And um, I was still selling drugs on the side trying to make money, trying to have a little bit of you know money in my pocket so I can do things with the other kids that I was friends with. And the deals that we were doing were getting bigger and riskier. And um, I knew that I was either going to go to jail or the morgue because of the amount of trouble I was getting into. Uh, and um, my brother had arranged for a meeting right around that time with a friend of his who was a client of his. And he was a real estate investor who had real estate companies, who was a philanthropist, was just a pillar of love and uh, success in the community that my brother lived in. And this man, his name is Alan Brown, sat with me just for lunch, just to see if he can help a young troubled kid. And he asked me you know, a lot of questions about why was I doing the things I was doing? Why didn't I you know, go down the straight and narrow path? Um, and I really didn't understand why. And he says, well, one of the reasons is you really don't believe in yourself and you, your self-image has been so shattered by some of you know, your school backing or background, but also because of the things that you've done, you have deteriorated your self-image and self-esteem and your self-confidence. Hmm. And, and so you know, I just listened and you know, I, I knew on the inside he was right. Uh, but he did in such a loving, caring way of compassion that I was willing to listen. And at that moment, he handed me, this was in April of 1980, and I'll tell you why I know the, the details so well. He handed me this goal-setting guide. He says, listen, why don't you just go and sit at the table next to your brothers and, and, and mine and fill out this, these goals, documents. And it's like, at what age do you want to retire? How much net worth do you want to have? What kind of car do you want to drive? What kind of you know, uh, life do you want to live? How much do you want to give to your parents to help them? How much charity do you want to do? I was like, you got to be kidding. I'm, I'm like 19 years old at this time. I have no idea. I want to just make enough money to move out of my parents' house and get my first car. And so I just wrote out a whole bunch of stuff. And he looked at it when I finished. And he said, I mean, these are some really big, good goals you have. Where'd you get these? I said, well, I like watching the TV show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. Robin Leach. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, well, every one of these goals is doable. He says, but I'm going to ask you one question. And your answer to this question will determine whether you will achieve these goals and dreams or not. And I was thinking to myself, one question will determine this? So he says to me, he says, son, he says, are you interested in achieving these goals and dreams? Or are you committed to achieving them? And I said, Mr. Brown, what's the difference? And he said, John, he says, if you're interested, you'll keep using your educational inefficiencies. Um, the fact that you did poorly in school, that you fell behind, that your parents couldn't help you, that your father was a cab driver, there was not enough money, blah, blah, blah. He said, you could keep using your stories and your excuses and your circumstances and your reasons to hold you back and keep you stuck. And if you do that, that will control your 
environment, your behaviors, and your results. He says, but if you're committed, you'll upgrade your beliefs about yourself, about what's possible. You'll develop the knowledge, the skills, and the behaviors so that they line up with the achievement of every one of these goals. He says, you'll let go of all the reasons why you can't or why it's not possible for you, and you will do whatever it takes. Hmm. Hmm. In that moment, I was like, okay, I mean, this makes sense. So I just blatantly blurted out of my mouth, well, in that case, Mr. Brown, I am committed. And in that moment, he reached out his hand to me, and he says, in that case, son, I will be your mentor. And one question, one answer, one lunch, my life changed. Hmm. And so he said to me, great, the first thing I need you to do, I need you to move from Montreal to Toronto, where I live. And I go, Montreal to Toronto? It's 350 miles away. I don't know anybody in Toronto. I don't have any money. I don't have a car. I don't have any. He says, stop. Look how fast you're coming up with stories and excuses already. I said, Mr. Brown, I, I can't move to Toronto. I don't have the means to. He says, son, he says, how to achieve a goal always comes after you commit to mm. the goal. As I said, fine, fine, fine. You know, I'll move to Toronto. And then my brother says, well, bro, you can live with me to start off with. I said, okay, great. So then Mr. Brown says, the next thing I need you to do is I want you to enroll in the real estate course that starts on May the 5th here in Toronto. I said, well, how much is that? He goes, it's $500. I said, $500. I have like $60 in the bank. I don't have the money. I'm going to move to a new city. I started giving him the stories and excuses and the reasons again. He said, stop. He says, look at what you're doing so quickly. You're focusing on why you can't. And highly successful people always figure out how they will. I said, fine, I'll find the money. My brother says, well, I can lend you like a hundred bucks. Maybe dad could lend you some money. Maybe our sister could lend you some money. And long story short then for everybody who's watching or listening is several weeks later, okay, I moved to Toronto, Canada. Several weeks after that, I enrolled in the real estate school that started on May the 5th, 1980. And on June the 5th, 1980, after going to class every day from nine to five, I passed my real estate test. I got my real estate certificate. I was a licensed real estate agent at the age of 19 years young. Now, the reason I remembered this story and these dates so well is because on June the 20th, 1980 was one of the proudest days of my life because I had passed the test without cheating. Oh my, that's fantastic. I actually sat my little ass raft down and studied every day, asked for the help that I needed, got guidance, even though I didn't understand the legalities of real estate, the math of real estate, the half the language I didn't understand. But I put the effort in and the little certificate, I really couldn't care about the certificate, but how it made me feel that I actually did the work and my mentor was there. Mm-mm-mm. Is Alan Brown still living? Uh, amazingly enough, after about a year of working for him, I lost track of him. And then you want to hear the most bizarre story ever? Last year on a podcast that I was on, the day after my office got a call from somebody saying, hey, my name is Jordan um, uh, Brown. And I think that John Asraf was talking about my father. 
And because I told this story on another podcast last year and I was like, yeah, baloney, forget about it. And like a week later, this guy called back again and he says, listen, I really think that John Asso is talking about my father. I'd like to speak to John. So I got on the call with this young man from New York and his name is Jordan Brown. And, he, and lo, lo and behold, his father is still alive in Florida. And his father and I got on a call to talk over 50, 35 years later. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I got a chance to thank him. And I sent him a couple of my books, my New York Times bestselling books, that none of these would have been possible had you not taken the time to ask me that one question and guide me. And he's like, oh, my God, I had no idea it had such an impact, you know, in your life like that or in anybody's life. Well, you, you're an encourager in so many ways, John. And just to call him up and tell him that, you yeah, know, this, uh, is a, this is a lesson to all of us. There are people in our lives that we have never properly thanked. And if yeah. they're there, we still need to do that. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you've, you've appeared on, on major television, radio. You've spoken all over the world. You've written brilliant books it could be pretty easy for somebody in your situation to just say, it's time to coast time to just kind of chill a bit, but you don't, how, how do you, how do you keep your edge and fight this demon called complacency or what we call satisfied itis around here? Um, I mean, it's a great question. I, I value life so much and I, I want to make sure like, this is just for me personally, that, Somehow, in some way, I can use my life to make other people's lives better, to make planet Earth better, to make uh, a, a positive impact on this world. Um, and so I feel it's almost an obligation. And, and I'm not religious, but I do believe in a higher power. I call that higher power God. And I do believe that if I'm a reflection of God, and so is every other human being, animal, species, whatever you, know, you, you deem to have life, is an expression of this higher intelligence, then this higher intelligence is all about love and giving and fuller expression of itself and experiencing and sharing. And so I just keep reminding myself that there's somebody that's just like me or worse or better when I was at that point in my life where I was going to go to jail or I was going to die because of things I was doing, that with one thing that I might say, with one paragraph that I might write, with one look of love or compassion, I may be able to help that person's life be a little bit better, even if it's for the moment, even if it's for this just gets me a little emotional just because well, understand. This, is, this, is, this is what Mr. Brown did for me. He didn't know me. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't know me. He just did my brother a favor. And because of that, I get to do this. Oh, how can you not get emotional, John? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it, it transcends everything. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I know somewhere along the road though, as you were, moving highly successful. I mean, you've done amazing things. You took a company public, you built five multi-million dollar firms. What happens when you hit that unexpected brick wall that you just weren't planning on? There's no contingency and all of a sudden, bam, what, what, what are your lessons there? Um, I think first and foremost, there's, um, there's a philosophy that um, I, I have as one of my uh, highest beliefs and philosophies. And one of them, 
Uh, and I'm going to try and find there's a there's a, a document that I look at every day, and and this is called my exceptional life blueprint, which is about 45 pages that I share with all my students. But on page number 17, it mm-hmm. says my guiding principles for an exceptional life, and um, principle number three says the meaning that I give anything determines how I feel. And I always choose to give things a meaning that empower me or empowers me. Uh, That's number one. Number four, or that's number three. And then number four says, everything that is happening to me is happening for me and my spiritual growth. Hmm. And so, so that is my framework. One of my two out of five frameworks. And so when we, when we look at life, right, when we look at, nature and we look at life we know that there's you know daytime nighttime uh we know the tide flows in the tide flows out we know that there are rhythms you know uh, winter spring summer fall and there's seasons well i am not outside of nature i am in nature i am in life and so that means that there's going to be good times challenging times highs lows ups downs and everything in between so when things are really challenging, you hit a brick wall, you can take that as a, holy shit, life just knocked me down, or go, holy shit, life knocked me down. What are my lessons here? Mm-hmm. What did I do well? What did I not do well? How do I adjust? What did I learn? And so can we frame things in a way that empower us instead of disempower us? disempowers us? Can we frame things in a way that we build upon instead of causing or having it cause our destruction? And here's one of the things that I've discovered over many, many years. If you develop the mindset and the emotional management techniques and abilities to navigate through your emotions, that helps you navigate the seas of life. So a skilled captain of a ship can weather 10-foot storms, 20, 30, 40, 100-foot swells because they are experienced in the storms. <laughs> and so the experience of life's storms, when framed properly and specifically starting with, you know, it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. What can I learn from it? That is what prepares us to take on bigger and bigger challenges and to go after greater and greater opportunities. And so framing is a key skill that I have discovered and learned that is one of my keystone habits of my mindset and emotional control. John, I love that. It's it's the difference between feeling like a victim or actually feeling like a beneficiary of a That's situation. Exactly right. uh, I think it's great. And, and the other thing that I think is worth just, just really making sure people understand is there, is there is not a human being alive in any area, health, wealth, relationships, career, business, finances, that experiences a consistent uprise without fail. It just mm-hmm. does not exist. So having that as an expectation is unrealistic. So what if we learn how to prepare better for when times are tough? What if we learn how to put our foot on the gas when times are good and have this healthy balance 
that starts off with our mindset and our perspective of how we are going to play this game of life. I love that because the time to be prepared for that is not when you need it. You got to prepare before you need it and getting ready for it. Yeah. One of, uh, one of the, I think it was Jim Rohn that says, you know, in the winter uh, or in the summer squirrels plan for winter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And as John Snow told us, winter is coming. So uh, always does. I mean, yeah, always does. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Totally different subject. Do you have a daily routine to start out your morning? Oh yeah, <laughs> share that share that with us. It's very inspiring. Yeah, the the other thing that uh, I want to just share with everybody is not only do I have a, you know a daily routine, I have it you know I, I have it written down and I, I tweak and adjust. But basically, uh, every morning when I wake up, uh, as soon as I open up my eyes, I smile. I just smile because I got to open up my eyes. And then as I'm laying in bed, I just ask, well, what are two or three things that I'm really grateful for? Not, you know, your proverbial, my children, my wife, my, you know, being alive. No, like, what am I really grateful for? So one morning I might say, you know, I'm really grateful that I have bones. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'm really grateful that I can taste. I'm really grateful. And I come up with two or three things that just make me feel like, oh my goodness, sometimes I take this for granted, but. I'm really grateful for that. And then as I put my feet on the floor, I'm really grateful that I got to wake up today. And some people are, you know, uh, transitioned to the other realm, shall we say. So I got to put my feet on the floor. Uh, And then after I take my bathroom break, I do a meditation. And so I meditate about 15 to 25 minutes every morning. And I do a variety of different meditations. There's a, you know, meditation is a a, a different state of consciousness than sleep or mindfulness or awake um, uh, or dreaming. And so I do a meditation to connect to the source, to to be present, to uh, either focus on something or let go of all thoughts. So really being, you know, in that meditative state. Then right after that, I take out my exceptional life blueprint Mm -hmm. and my iPhone And I have recorded, for example, um, my life's vision. I've recorded uh, the the story of my life. I've recorded my core prayer. I've recorded um, several things that are really um, uh, key to me getting and staying focused on the day and what I want to trade my life for that day. So I I call that cognitive priming. I prime my brain every day to focus on the things that matter the most. So instead of starting off my day, you know, with television and radio and checking emails and texts and all the stuff that can scatter my mind, I want to deliberately teach my brain to focus on the things that I deem are the most important. So I prime my brain first. And then when I um, brush my teeth, I do. Um, I have a, a one sheet um, of my goals up on my mirror, and I do something called brush and prime. So as I brush my teeth with my electronic toothbrush, I read my goals for the year, and I have them just you know written out and laminated right up on my wall. And then I go and exercise for about um, forty-five minutes to an hour and fifteen minutes, and then I shower have my morning smoothie, and then I start my first appointments of the day. 
unless I have a podcast or something that I've got, you know, interrupting that time. So I wake up a little bit earlier for that morning routine. Now I want to make some everybody aware of this. It doesn't make a difference where I am in the world. If I'm in a hotel room, it makes no difference. My routine is my power routine to be able to focus on the things that I want to trade my life for that mean the most to me. And everybody's is different, but that is what I do. And then in the evening, I do my little gratitude before I go to bed and just say a few things I'm grateful for for the day. And I ask myself, you know, what went well today? And what do I want to have happen that's a little bit better tomorrow? Yeah. I've never heard it said in a better, more meaningful and concise way about the importance of a morning routine. And I love your phrase, cognitive priming, to avoid the scattering effect of putting too many of the wrong influences in our head first thing in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, many, many people understand, you know, if, uh, if we stand outside and it's a beautiful sunny day, you know, the sun could warm our skin and maybe with a little bit of extra heat, it can maybe give us a little bit of a tan, but we could take that same sunlight and we can use a magnifying glass and burn a piece of paper. And we could take that exact same sunlight and reduce it down to a single photon and create a laser and cut through steel. So I want to make sure that I focus my mind and my attention and my intentions like a laser first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired. This is absolutely good. fantastic. Good. Uh, now, we have a lot of uh, a lot of listeners that are starting businesses and mm-hmm. struggling with that. We have others that are facing really adversity in their lives, so very difficult personal situations, setbacks of all kinds, and they are deeply discouraged. Um, how would you how would you be Alan Brown to somebody that came to you and said, I am I got no aces in my hand, I got no face cards in my hand. What what do I do, John? Um, you have to bluff to win. No. Um, <laughs> in some cases you do. So so let's let's just unpack that a little bit. So let's say somebody is struggling in their business. Okay. Um I want to remind everybody that we live in the year, you know, 2020 Mm -hmm. and all of the how to, to become healthier and stay healthy, to make more money, to grow a business, to have a better relationship, to have deeper spiritual connectedness, all the how to already exists. Unless you are listening or watching and you're trying to figure out how to colonize Mars all the how to exist for what you need. So let's help people understand that if the result that you're getting is not what you want and it's causing pain or suffering or discouragement, the only reason that is happening is because you possibly don't have the right mindset, you possibly don't know how to manage your emotions, and you possibly may just not have the skills to know what to do. So for business owners, when I wrote my second New York Times bestselling book, The Answer, it was all about giving entrepreneurs a real deep insight to the inner game, what's going on in their heads, but also the very, very precise step-by-step of here's how you build a company. So all of that we know. So if you don't know how to do it, that's going to cause the feeling that you have that's going to cause the result you have. I never like to focus on effects or results. Mm -hmm. I use that almost like a radiologist looks at an x-ray 
and says, okay, here's where the fractures are. So there are only four things that hold people back. One is their self-image or self-esteem does not, at a subconscious level, allow them to achieve the success that they want at a conscious level. That's one. Two, fear. Fear of failure, fear of disappointment, fear of being embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, or judged. And that takes away the motivational circuit from activating and causing you to take action. So self-image, self-esteem, self-worth, fears, limiting beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy. I don't know how. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too Asian, too Caucasian. Uh, They also deactivate the motivational circuits of the brain. So we procrastinate and don't take action. And the fourth one is I don't have the knowledge or the skills. So 99% of people not achieving the desired result they want will fit into those four categories. So the question I pose to all of my students is what's your plan to first figure out which one of those it is or which one, two or three it is, And then what's your plan to break free from those so that you are empowered, doing the right things in the right order at the right time versus spinning your wheel, focusing on the result that you don't want and repeating those patterns. Everything we do is is a pattern. So we think in patterns, we feel in patterns, we behave in patterns that we repeat over and over and over again. And that's just our brain's way to conserve energy. That's called a habit. Habit. Yeah. Right. And so let's move away. Let's move out of a state of ignorance, of not knowing. Let's move into a state, okay, of awareness. And it's in that awareness that we are empowered. It's in that awareness and in the choice that we next or we make next that we become empowered. So we know how to change somebody's self image. We know how to change uh, and let, have somebody let go of limiting beliefs. We know the effects it has on the brain and on behavior. And so the key is, you know, what are you most committed to? Are you committed to achieving your vision, your goals and dreams? Or are you committed to your state of despair, your state of of being a victim, your state of stories and excuses and reasons why you can't right now? And I'm going to come back to every single person, you know, that's watching and listening right now. Are you interested in getting better or are you committed to getting better. I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to the question that changed my life. And if you are committed, then you're going to do whatever it takes to flip the switch. You're going to do whatever it takes to change your mindset, even if you don't know how right now. You're going to do whatever it takes to learn how to manage your emotions better, even though you've never been trained on it. You're going to do whatever it takes to upgrade your knowledge and skills so you know exactly what to do today, tomorrow, this week, next week. And when you make that switch, that's when you become empowered. When you make that switch, that's when you're in control instead of being a victim. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You are very conscious in your competence. Let me just put it this way to you, John. <laughs> in, in other words, you could just simply go through life, but you're willing to break it down and share it and open it up and, and help all of us. So I thank you for that. You're welcome. I've been fascinated. Um, you know, when I was, I'm going to go back to when I was 19, you know, and one of the things that Mr. Brown had me doing, the reason I have this down to a science, my exceptional life blueprint, and, and I teach the way I do is, you know, at the time when I remember I, sh- I shared with that, he had me write down my goals. Yeah. The other thing I didn't share then that I'll share now is every day I opened up that goal 
document. And he had me sit and read it. He had me close my eyes and pretend like I was a Hollywood actor, that those things were actually real. He had me take my right finger and my left finger to activate the different hemispheres of my brain so that an electrical signal would be sent with the message that was on that piece of paper to my brain. He says, I want you to do this every day for 15 or 20 minutes where you read it, you emotionalize it, you visualize it, and you touch it. And so I did. I said, great. What I'm doing is not working. I might as well try something that you, a successful person, is doing. And so I did that. And in my first year at 19 years old, selling real estate that I knew nothing about. I didn't know what sales, I didn't know what sales were. I didn't know what marketing was. I didn't know business at all. You know, I just got on the telephone. He taught me a script. Hi, this is John Asraf with Alan Brown Real Estate. We have somebody who's looking to buy a home in the neighborhood. Are you thinking about making a move this year? I, I had a script in front of me that I read okay, off of a printed document, and then it became a part of me. I knew how to read the script, but he had me practice, drill, and rehearse a new vision for my life, new goals, new beliefs, and then he had me practice and do it. And that year, I made $31,000 in real estate back in 1980. My father made $25,000 as a cab driver. I was like, wow, this stuff works. And then in 1981, I made $150,000 as a real estate agent at 20 years old. Now, I don't know if that's evidence enough that this stuff works, but trust me, you know, from going from making two bucks an hour to $150,000 you know, a year when I was 20 years old, that was evidence enough that something happened. Mm-hmm. Something happened and I made it my life's work to understand what happened. And so I became pretty proficient at the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the circuits in the brain, the networks in the brain, beliefs, habits, perspectives, paradigms, emotions. What are they in the brain? And if our brain is the most powerful organism in the known universe, is it possible since I own one and everybody watching and listening owns this, is it possible I could use that amazing tool and become a better operator of it? And the answer is absolutely if I'm willing to do the work. And you have to be committed and not just interested. Well, I yeah, love it. Yeah, if you're if you're interested, you'll do what's easy and convenient. You know, but if you take a look, you know, at your watch, okay, you see the time on the top. But if you really want to understand how a watch works, you have to do a little bit of research and maybe open it up or maybe, you know, go a little bit deeper if you want to understand how to make it work better. Most people I have found, and I hope it's not people that are listening, they just want just tell me the time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to know how it, how it works at a deeper level. Well, that may work fine with the time, but it does not work fine with the most powerful tool in the known universe, your brain. That's fantastic. John, thank you so, so much. Um, I know that our listeners will be encouraged. I know that I am uplifted. So thank Thank you you so much for this. And we look forward to continuing to learn from you. And as particularly everybody, his latest book is called Inner Size, The Proven Science to Unleash Your Brain's Hidden Power. And I love that phrase, inner size, working it from the inside out. So John, we wish you the greatest of continued success and more importantly, continued impact because that's what you are. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. 
To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.